0: Hey there, this is uh, Mike McDonald back with PH Expanded. Hey, thank you for tuning in, reading my blog if you have. I uh, greatly appreciate it as always. This podcast might be shorter than uh, it normally is. Um, it's getting late here in Tennessee, and I've been spending three to four hours writing the blogs these days. And boy, that's fun though to do that this season. Um, so, no complaints there, absolutely. Uh, I could have written and probably could talk for hours, but um, this is my commitment, shorter podcasting. Uh, Anyhow, uh, moving on with the game, Uh, I struggled when I thought about what the sliding doors moment of the game might be because there could be a few. There could be Ramsdale's save from, I think it was Richarlison who went um, through on that free kick with our ridiculously high line, but I'm going to talk about that in just a minute um and uh and that was a that was a big save quick reactions but that's possibly his strength um but either way that was certainly a turning point that would have been 1-0 to tottenham game looks different from there i'm sure okay the red card probably looked like the biggest turning point in the game because tottenham gave up and as i said in my blog that was a big moment for me watching a so-called big team give up with over 20 minutes left of the game and a team that we know and so they have to know are a team that can score out of nowhere a team that doesn't have to be playing well to score which you'd say is a good team they're not much fun to watch I can't imagine being a fan of a team like that that relies on on that level of um, well that amount of defensive um, play from such talented attackers and without having a creative player to give them the ball more often. So, anyway, that's their problem. Who cares? But that red card was a big moment. I Maybe because I'm an Arsenal fan, I didn't think it would be a red card. If I was watching that tackle in another game, I would expect a red card, even though it might be what I think people call an orange card Um, but I don't expect Arsenal to get those decisions you probably feel the same I'd imagine but it went our way and ultimately you can go in studs up and miss a player and still get a red card so you can see the justification for it Um, but for whatever reason Tottenham gave up it seemed at 2-1 and a man down I just don't get why they would give up. I get why possibly, you know, you're playing Bournemouth at home or somebody like that, that they might think that it's game over. But that was really odd. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit and maybe the credit goes to the fact that we're managing games better. And we started to just slow the game down, take the tempo out, keep possession and only force the ball forwards when it uh, had its natural uh, inclination to move in that direction. Um but uh it could be that, and then the third one would be J- Granite Jacker's goal because that completely popped their balloon, which was beautiful, and such a a strange surreal moment I'm still getting used to seeing Granite Jacker in the box, let alone taking you know a positive touch away from a defender um off the end of a flowing move. there he is, Granite Jacker and then putting it in the bottom corner, and also me expecting him to score. These are all new emotions, but I love it. Uh, Let's pick a positive out of the game, as if that one wasn't, but here's a good one. I'm noticing that, for the most part, Arsenal are only conceding goals off mistakes. And I think, in fact, I do, I know... That it's better to do that at this level than consistently conceding goals because of poor structure or nervousness, lack of belief, all of those things that we've struggled with in the past. If you think about the goals that we've let in recently, the ones at Old Trafford, uh, certainly the one today, they're gifts. There haven't been teams dissect us, outplay us. Games and teams that score goals where you sit back and go, fair enough, that was really good. I don't remember that. And so that speaks so well to how our team is set up and the fact that our owners have trusted our manager, our manager trusts the players, and then there's such trust and belief in the team in the structure that's been set up over the last few years that we are not a team that is being um, dissected easily as I said so that perhaps maybe more than any other thing might be the reason why we continue to challenge at the top of the league Uh, because we're not making many mistakes it's not every game and it doesn't look like we have players that are going to to continually repeat. So, love that. Here's uh, something that we do need to improve on. But this is just personal for me. And if you've been reading my work for a while, you'll get bored of me saying this. But I just throw the uh, high line at deep free kicks... Um, on the scales this is how I see football how I see life I suppose try to help me make decisions and I understand why not just Arsenal but other teams uh, are now following the modern trend of defending uh, deeper free kicks on the edge of their box and holding the line or even higher or as Arsenal did today about 10 yards outside of their box I understand it I understand that there's a decent chance that not just one but multiple players will be offside. Um, I understand that it gives your goalkeeper room to come and get it. I understand that they have to be, uh, depending on how high your line is, their um, cross, their pass, has to be close to perfect and perfectly weighted. But, I put that on one side of the scales and on the other side what I would say is I see an awful lot of free kicks that talented Premier League footballers are just lobbing over the top and the first contact is an opponent who has no defenders in front of him just the goalie in the goal and I see it over and over and over and you know I go on feeling more than anything else and when an opponent has a free kick 30 or 40 yards out, you know, in the past, I would not feel particularly nervous. We'd defend deeper, maybe on the penalty spot. And if they want to have a shot, let them have a shot. If they want to cross it, I just felt better, even though it was a crowd for the goalkeeper to come and uh, collect the ball in or punch it out. But now... A 30- or 40-yard free kick, I just don't feel like I should be that nervous. But I am. And the way I coach and the way I see football, I think that sometimes an underrated um, uh, aspect of the game is not giving set plays to teams that can't dissect you. Because if they can't dissect you in the regular flow of the game then they rely exclusively on corners and free kicks. And that's the only way they're going to get through you. So don't give them free kicks. And don't, in my mind, play with such a high line and let a team that is not your equal and even close to being your equal have a chance to be your equal or even your superior because they have players who can eat up those moments. And those players players who are better in the air than maybe the players we have and I know that that gap has closed since we've got a, a, a bigger unit of a team uh, now but I think they rub their hands together when those moments come and I wish we didn't do it that's just a personal opinion though and who am I to say that when most every elite coach in world football has chosen to do this um, anyway so a couple more thoughts This one is a new one for me, another new one. I talked today in my blog about all the new experiences and feelings that not just me, but I'm sure that you're having too watching Arsenal this season and how great that is. But here's a new one. A few minutes ago, Max and I were talking about next weekend and I told him that I I kind of expect to beat Liverpool. And, you know, that seems so far from not just my expectation, but maybe yours Um, in the past, you know, my expectation was um, when we played Liverpool at home, I would just be tense and nervous and thought we had a chance, um, but never felt confident. And when we played them away, just I dreaded it because we keep getting spanked. And now, and I'm not somebody that really does this too often, that throws out their silly statements that are going to blow up in my face. But right now, I feel like we're going to beat Liverpool. Not just because we're playing better, because we are. It's not that. It's beyond that. It's, I look at our team and the quality that we now have in our team and look at theirs. And even if you put them on top form, it's not that much of a difference. I know that they have better output And that probably has been a huge difference in the past. They've conceded less goals than us, for sure, but not this season. And they've scored significantly more goals than us in the past, but not this season. So I guess I don't feel like a fool thinking that we're going to beat Liverpool, but I'll be upset if we don't. And I'll be upset if we draw, I think, because that... Will be that one, of course, and of course, the City game will be the statement wins of the season if we can get them. And last season at home, we deserved to beat City and we didn't, we lost. But Liverpool has been certainly, uh, they call it a bogey team, is that right? Certainly been the bogey team in the past for Arsenal. So, rubbing my hands together about that one. Last thing I wanted to talk about was um, the defensive midfield. Spot and knowing that Thomas Partey uh, is somewhat injury prone, as we know, and then we don't know what's going to happen off the field with rumors, allegations, and such. So I've just been sort of scouring world football in my head more than anything and trying to think of who I would bring in uh, as an alternate to him. Uh, as soon as possible, so that Samby can move further forward, which I think is what the plan was for him and where he was excelling pre-season. But also be somebody that could replace Thomas Partey in the long run. And I felt foolish when I remember today the player that I loved in the past and I wanted in the past to uh, accompany Thomas Partey and play alongside him when we played 4-2-3-1. And he played in the Premier League. And I... I tuned in to watch his team play, just to watch him. And I remember taking pictures and videos of things that he would do that I thought were just levels above the team he was playing on and he didn't seem to have a flaw in his game. And And at the time that he played, and this mystery guy is Zambo, is it Andre, Frank, Anguissa? Zambo, Andre, Frank, Frank, Andre, Zambo... Either way, his name's Anguizu, he plays for Napoli now. used to play for Fulham, you'll remember. But he is a similar stature to Thomas Partey. But he, much like Partey, doesn't seem to have flaws in his game. And he is flying at Napoli. This season, the team is playing particularly well. uh, And he is too. But last season, he was a first-team regular and a very dominant player in that league. And again, going back to my previous thought, which I did not finish... When I saw him play for Fulham, the thing that really impressed me is how quickly he could move the ball forwards. And those were the days of having Granit Xhaka playing deep where it wasn't working and he would at least take two touches, never punch the ball forward in, with one touch. And Angisa could do that. And he could run with the ball and penetrate on the dribble, much like I see Ebie Yezzy at Crystal Palace do that from midfield. And Alex Awobi now doing that from the midfield for Everton. And that's something that Arsenal do lack, is somebody taking the ball from deep positions and penetrating on the dribble. So he would offer that. He was two-footed, which is my favourite thing about any player. Um, Anyway, I don't think he would be a king's ransom. Italian teams don't normally charge a king's ransom, and he's not a high-profile player. Maybe he is in Naples, but in world football he's not. So there is my number one thought as to who I would get as soon as possible. Don't think Napoli would sell him till the summer anyway, because they're going to go for the league this year. They're close. So uh, I think they'd be obviously foolish to, to get rid of him in January, but he's had premier league experience and he's flourished at a smaller club. Um, and that's my thought. So I hope you enjoyed today. There's 15 and a half minutes and, uh, I would encourage you to re-watch the North London Derby at least twice. Cheers. Ooh.